Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts, Ugo Che and Ralph Velasco. Hi, Ralph. How are you doing today? Still freezing up there in Chicago? Hey there, Ugo. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cold here. Apparently, we've had um, 12 days in a row of negative t- or, or below 20 which is the first time since 1936 that we've had 12 days in a row. That's Fahrenheit. But uh, so I, I think it's we're getting a little bit of a heat wave, though, so it's probably going to get up into the 30s soon, let's hope. But I'm going to San Diego day after tomorrow as of, as of this recording. So More kind of don't weather. care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let, let's talk about uh, our guest of today. And first of all, in, in the way of introduction, uh, I want to uh, tell the story of uh, how I got to know our guest. And uh, it was through an article that I found recently on the Matador Network website. And uh, the article was called 17 Female Travel Photographers Who Slayed 2017. And uh, the article got me thinking that we should really have more women on the show. I know we... We always strive to be to be inclusive, but it's uh, it's difficult. I mean, this is an industry that is very much dominated by by guys. Uh, so even thinking of names to invite sometimes is hard. So I was really happy to to see that article and uh, to discover uh, so many great photographers, their work, their websites, and so on. So I just went over the list and uh, and found a few names. Uh, women who had great photography and also great stories to tell. So uh, that was a great list. And I'm also happy that it was uh, compiled by our good friend and previous guest, uh, Kate Chevon Mulligan. So thank you, Kate. Anyway, so I found some great names and I started con- contacting some of those. And one of the first uh, um, who uh, answered my, my emails, my contacts, uh, was uh, the guest of uh, this week, Taylor Rhodes. So welcome to the show, Taylor. Oh, thank you. So uh, before we start the interview, I would like to uh, read from your, from your biography, from your, from your website. And uh, if you want to, to add anything, please do. So you're a full-time photographer based between Victoria and Vancouver, British Columbia but originally from Toronto, Ontario. And photography has taken you across Asia and South America. And you say you've lugged too much gear through the Canadian Rockies to the Scottish Islands, Patagonia, the Subarctic, and you've fired the shutter thousands and thousands of times. You've had a very well-documented couple of years. Travel is what sparked your interest in photography, but it is telling stories of conservation, people, adventure, and culture that keeps you interested. And you work on a variety of editorial, commercial, and reportage-style assignments with companies and organizations that share a vision for sustainability and an appreciation for story. So that's uh, that's great. That's great because I, I love... 
having a conversation with uh, photographers and people that, that are not just about photography and gear or travel advice, tips and so on, but also have something maybe deeper to share, uh, for instance, the, the topic of conservation and so on. So congratulations for that. Is there, any, is there anything else you would like to add, Taylor? Uh, no, that's a great little sum up, I guess. Um, sort of what I've been up to for the past five years. Yeah. And the name of your website is A Protest Against Forgetting. And we will put a link in, in the show notes, but uh, it's uh, also easy to, to remember. It's uh, www.aprotestagainstforgetting.com. Um, can you explain what that does that mean to you? Why a protest against forgetting? Yeah, sure. So when I first started doing photography, I didn't I didn't call it that, I guess, originally. But um, ever since, it sort of I was always interested in documenting my own life and uh, having um, having lots of these having lots of memories, I guess. And that's what I feel like a lot of people start when they get into photography. But uh, it really kind of made sense to me when I read uh, this book called Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Four. Um, and he basically talks about, it's a book about memory and how our memories work. And uh, it was just really easy to apply everything that I was doing in photography to that, um, to those kind of ideas. So he talks about, um, how do I explain this? He talks about touch points. So we remember things in relation to other things. Um, so for example, like you bought your first car after, you know, you graduated from college or whatever, you know, you got married after this happened, you know, that's sort of how we keep things in line and how our memories work. And the more touch points, the more events that we have that give us touch points, the more full we can experience our lives. Um, and so I, I love that idea um, that by doing new and novel things all the time and not falling into like patterns of the mundane um, made us feel, made me feel like I had what was living a more full life, I guess. And so photography in some ways creates those touch points, whether it's a job that I shoot or, you know, just photographing my own family or friends, um, you know, it, it gives you the more and more of these touch points that make it easy, easier for you to remember. Is it something that helps you remember or is it something that you think helps other people remember? I don't know if the, the question makes much sense of just thinking out loud, out loud more or less, but it's, uh, it's something that you do for yourself or to document maybe things that are disappearing so other people could remember them. Right. Both. I mean, I think intrinsically I'm, I'm personally motivated by it for my own life, but definitely on a larger scale. Um, I think that I, yeah, for other people and, and as well as for like any jobs that I do, it's important as well in that regard. You know, when uh, Ugo was talking about uh, your background and biography, you talk about working with companies and organizations that have a vision for sustainability and an appreciation for story. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to us about, you know, what you mean by appreciation for story. I just think that we all can relate to each other based on stories, whether, you know, it's, it's small or large, what, however we connect with other people is based on the story. So I want to tell, tell stories through my photographs that are 
that, you know, connect people and, and get across messages, um, through that medium, I guess. Um, is there a particular day that you can point to when you say that you had discovered your love of travel? Can you point to one particular day or moment, um, time, time? <laughs> yeah, I think that, oh man, I have so many stories. I can't, I, I have so many that, you know, just reinforce that same thing. The, the first moment, I mean, was probably on my first trip, uh, w- which was to Uganda, Africa. And this was, um, before I really was a photographer in any way. Um, and just sitting around a table with people from all over the world and being so far from home and realizing like, wow, the world is so big. Um, that kind of, I guess, was the pinpoint moment of when I started to love travel. Um, but there's been obviously so many more since then. How did that make you feel? Oh, it made me feel young and alive, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and that there's just so much more out there beyond my bubble. And, you know, we all get stuck in that a little bit, I think, every once in a while. And I think it's really important to travel and see what's beyond that. When, uh, you know, I, I, I can picture myself in those kinds of situations many times where, you know, you're in some seemingly exotic location and you're sitting around the table with people from all over the world. And uh, while at one time you could say that the world is such a big place, you could also say that it's such a small place. Because here you are in this, you know, it might be just a, a room or at a table, and you've got these people from around the world with all these different insights and personalities and, you know, uh, opinions. And uh, it's just such a, a cool thing to, to be able to learn from all those people, you know, right then and there in that one single place. Would you agree? Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, you, it's, I can't even tell you how many times that that's happened and you're sitting around that and you find this random obscure connection, you know, from one side of the world to the other. Um, just for an example, I was on assignment back in October, um, for the Canada C3, which was, um, Canada's, I guess, Canada turned 150 this year, uh, as a country. And, um, there was a lot of projects to celebrate that. One of the projects was that I was part of was, um, a boat trip that went all the way around each coast called Canada coast to coast to coast. Um, and so coming down the West coast of British Columbia, um, I was in a very small first nations village, 60 people live there, um, permanently. Um, and I was photographing there and, uh, one of my really good friends' dad ended up working there on a run of river project. So uh, that's when they divert the river um, instead of using a dam um, and to power the entire community. It's a pretty incredible project. Um, so they don't use diesel anymore and there's no um, a risk of diesel spills um, to get power to this community. And, uh, and and I heard, turned around, someone said my name, and I thought, what, where, how? How is it possible that someone could possibly know me here? Um, but there you go. It was crazy. Uh, aside from experiences, uh, if they just 
remain experiences, I mean, uh, and you don't act on them. Uh, it's hard to, to grow in a sense. It's hard to, to become the person that one is. So I would like to ask you, uh, did those experiences drive you to make choices that have made you the person you are now? And what, what were some of those choices? Like taking up travel photography or deciding to uh, work for companies that are uh, that care about conservation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm still learning as I go on. Uh, I don't think that, you know, all my experience have changed, changed who I am, but, uh, but I think I've, al I've always been concerned about the environment, especially living in Canada and now the West coast of Canada where, um, the environment, the environment is, is really in our cities. Like if you, if you look at a skyline shot of Vancouver, the mountains are so prevalent and you know, it's not far from the city that you are in, in an old growth forest or at the top of the summit. And when you're in those places, it's hard to ignore, you know, the logging that's going on. Um, and, the industry that you can see all the time. I mean, I'm, and I'm not saying that all logging is bad. I think, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but you know, you, you can just see the effects of humans really prevalently, I guess. And so, uh, conservation specifically has, you know, been kind of my cause, um, since moving here and just, you know, being aware of it and, you know, seeing it. So all the time. So I'm quoting from an article on your website uh, titled Torres del Popular, I assume, uh, and um, we'll put a link to in the show notes there. But uh, in it, you say, it is great that Pat Patagonia can inspire so many people. And I used to think any exposure to nature, especially for people who may not have the opportunity to spend much time in the wilderness, is positive. We as humans care about what we know and create a caring population and to create a caring population, we need to provide opportunities to connect with the environment around us. However, sending first time campers and individuals from urban centers into the Patagonian outback has repercussions that are impossible to ignore yet difficult to solve. Can you describe the experience that led you to write this article and uh, what in your opinion can be done if anything about this issue? Yeah, so I wrote that article in 2015 um, after a six-week trip to Patagonia, and the title is a bit of tongue-in-cheek, um, uh, named after the national park there called uh, Torres del Paine. So um, basically thousands of people go there every year, and every year it's just been getting more and more traction, especially I think personally since the Instagram culture where now you can see all these places all the time, right? If you go on to any, um, outdoor backpacking kind of gear, Instagram, you'll see pictures of this place and it is beautiful and it's stunning. And, you know, it, it was really such a privilege to be there. Um, but, but that being said, when I was there, uh, we witnessed like the, you know, people setting fires, um, or lighting, sorry, not setting fires, uh, lighting their camp stoves underneath their tents, which is highly flammable. It's an extremely windy place. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's been huge fires lit and burnt the whole park by tourists who 
you know, just have never been camping before. And we watch people, you know, um, peeing and and washing their dishes in the river where you're supposed to be able to drink directly from the streams. So when you see all that happening, you know, you're like, it's just hard not to think, you know, how are we not the problem here? And, um, and it was hard. It was definitely hard because, you know, you, you know, you, you don't want to be that problem at the same time, but, you know, just being there, you're, and walking the trails, you know, the trails are dug out from people's footprints, you know, they need maintenance, um, because there's just like so many people, they're basically like trenches, you know? Um, so, uh, so it's hard. I, I think, yeah, I feel like at, at a bit of a, I'm not sure the exact word I'm looking for here, but I feel like, yes, people should see these things. And, um, you know, half those people are going to walk away inspired and say, wow, we really have to do something to protect, uh, the environment and the world that we're living in. Um, and you know, you need, you need that impetus. You need to have that experience to like, to lead you into action. But then at the same time, you know, how is it worth that? Um, when you're destroying these places just by being there. Um, so can it be solved? I'm not sure if it can be solved. Um, totally. I think that, um, recently I've, I've, I've been following the situation and I know that they've increased, um, increased the price it, it was to go and visit. So when I was there, I think it was less than 30 us dollars, um, to enter the park. Now it's, it's more so that, you know, just in the price increase will keep people out. And they've also started a permitting system. So they've limited the number of people, um, that are going through every year, which I think is, um, you know, really important. Um, so that it, you know, that both the environment can be saved and people can still experience it. Yeah, I'm not sure about increasing the price since, uh, I mean, uh, as, as, as much as you can increase it, it's probably something that any, Anyone from the U.S. or Canada or Europe, they, they, they're spending thousands of dollars to just to, for a flight. There, what's uh, it's going to change between thirty dollars or three hundred? Probably not much. So, but I think that your an article like yours maybe showing the if you like the, the ugly side of it, uh, instead of showing the, the nice photos of the Torres del Paine, the mountains in the sunset with the clouds that you see on Instagram, I mean, can, can raise awareness of the problems. Maybe it will do more than, than that. I don't know. I don't have a, a solution either. This is a, yeah. a topic that we asked uh, many of our guests that do, do nature photography and are worried about conservation. And uh, the, the dilemma has always been, yeah, we, we like to, to photograph those places to, to showcase their beauty and people will start appreciating the beauty. But... This will also pull a lot of people who are maybe not as uh, knowledgeable, not as interested in preservation. Uh, so it's a difficult uh, uh, line to walk. Very thin it line. is. It is. And I even feel it like when I, when I go to those places and I'm flying there. I mean, I know that, you know, flights are how much of your carbon footprint every year, you know. And if I'm really, really worried about the glaciers melting, maybe I shouldn't be flying to go photograph them across the planet. I don't know. It, it's, it's a very hard, it's a fine line to walk. 
I, uh, I, I feel the same way. I think about it all the time. You know, I'm on 40, 50, 60 flights a year flying around the world and you just think about, yeah, what's that carbon footprint? And you, you know, try to be as, uh, you know, thoughtful a traveler as possible when you're there, but you do have to get there and yeah, you know, maybe I could go by land, <laughs> but the, not real practical, so uh, it's uh, it's a dichotomy, and it's something I'm not sure that we'll we'll ever find a an exact solution to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you could leave tomorrow and money were no obstacle, where would you travel to, and why? Um, I think right now I would probably head to the Arctic. Um, I've in my last year, I guess, of travel, I've I've been fascinated by Canada. Um, as a Canadian, you know, I feel like my first, my, when I was first getting into photography, I was all about the, the foreign destination, but, um, destinations, but the more that I read and learn about Canada and, uh, and now I have traveled quite a bit of it, the more I feel like there is here. And, uh, I think the Arctic, you know, as, as remote as it is, as changing as it is, uh, is what, where I would go. You're, you're always into a bit of wild destinations, uh, Patagonia, the Arctic, uh, <coughs> Uganda, and so on. You're very, very much into nature and wilderness as a, as a destination, right? Mm-hmm, it, definitely. Uh, you're your photography mostly about nature, or you also do, uh, your work features people. I know you also do wedding photography, right? I do, which yeah, I do. Typically do. involves people, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I love nature, but I love people too. And uh, I think, yeah, I, I, I have to get a balance. If I take too many landscapes, I really am missing the people and the and the expressions and you know the that kind of thing that can make a photo come alive in a way that you know just a beautiful space and great light doesn't. Um, and so I try and keep a balance of both and. And, you know, have the human element to, to any nature story, I guess, that I do. Well, conversely, to my previous question, where would you go to if money were no obstacle? What country would you go back to that you've already visited and, and why? I would definitely go back to Uganda. I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because it will be uh, my 10, 10 years, I guess, since my first trip there. Um coming up next year. And, uh, I wasn't into photography then. <laughs> and, you know, it, it made me fall in love with travel and, um, open my eyes to a lot of different things. And I would, I would like to go back with like, uh, a bit of a older perspective or, you know, less naive perspective. I think it was pretty naive when I went there and, um, and just, you know, visit some of my friends that are still living there and just see the place, um, you know, 10 years on. And, and see what's what's gone on, I guess. What's um, what's great about Uganda? I mean, aside from your memories, but that somehow might color your perception of the place. Uh, what's, um, what what would you say is great about that place? Photographically. Oh well, it's lush. It's extremely lush, um, and you know the wildlife there is is excellent 
Um, I mean, it's not the destination, safari destination like Kenya or Tanzania would be, um, but it, it has everything um, that Kenya and Tanzania would have. Um, on the border of Kenya, they've got like beautiful highlands uh, and hiking and, and, um, and, and just great people, really. Um, yeah, just great people. When, when I was there, I spent, you know, pretty much my entire time in the country. And so I, I was lucky enough to see a lot of it, except for not really the West side, but the North, um, East and the South bit where I was living in the South, um, that it was, it was great. I, and the people were great. I'm sorry. Why was it that you ended up going to Uganda 10 years ago? I was volunteering. Okay. Um, yeah. What kind of work did, did you do? What kind of volunteer work was it? Um, I worked for a project called Volset, um, and I did HIV outreach work. So, you know, it, it kind of breaks my heart that I wasn't able to photograph like I have the skill to now when I was doing that job because what I would do is um, Uganda has um, a, um, a kind of a universal HIV um uh, healthcare sort of program just for that. And so we would, every day I would go to a clinic in the morning and work in the clinic. And then every afternoon we would go and deliver, um, any medicines that, for people who weren't able to walk to the clinic or make it to the clinic through transportation. And, and with Volset, um, we would also tell people stories, hear their stories, um, and then, you know, write out their stories, uh, for sponsorship. That was sort of my job while I was there. And, uh, if I could only have taken photographs to the places of the places that I was, would have been, you know, quite something. I would like to go back to your site and pick um, another little quote there. Maybe we can uh, <clears throat> talk about that a little bit. And you write, uh, photography is honest and it is the small subtleties of connections between lovers and families of spaces, of gestures that speak the truth of a moment in time. It is the subtleties, well, sorry, I can't say that word. <laughs> it is the subtleties that keep me interested. Uh, I personally know a few people who might disagree with the idea that photography is honest, especially given the amount of manipulation that photographs, photographs are subjected to with or without Photoshop. But I have a feeling that's not what you, you mean by that. Would you like to, to expand on this concept that photography is honest? I think it's honest in the sense of how you might remember a moment. Um, you know, when you look back and you see, you know, that, that meal on the table and, you know, that can bring back all the memories. And to, for you, that's true. And for you, that's honest. Um, yeah, you, there's definitely a lot of photo manipulation that happens and, 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 I also know just going back to my memory tangent and that book that I first read, you know, when they're describing how your memory works, every time you remember a memory, you're actually remembering, remembering the memory itself, not remembering the last time you recalled the memory, not the actual experience yourself. So every time you remember something, you're, you can change it, I guess a little bit, or it, it, it changes and that's how your memory sort of get warped over time. But, um, uh, I think, photography in some ways can bring back that honesty, you know, where if you're, if your memory fails you yourself, then, you know, that, 
that photograph can bring back that honesty. And I think, you know, a lot of my work is, uh, I I shoot with a pretty wide angle lens. Um, and I like to get the busyness of a scene in, um, as much as possible, all the little details. And I think that is what is honest. You know, I'm not. So in a way is the completeness in your, in your photos that keeps it on because many, many photographers would say that you, you always do a kind of a selection work when you when you frame a photo you decide what to include and what not to include so the story you create somehow depends on the choices that you make and what you exclude and others people cannot see might uh, paint a different picture than uh, than the one that that might might have seen i know it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that this is dishonest but in a way it's uh, choices will determine what uh, what the others see. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, 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 I know that to some extent as well, but you know, you're just honest to yourself, I guess is what the best you can be and tell the story that, you know, tell the that story you see in front of you. as you really see it. Yeah. So. I mean, someone else might see it different and that's based on their experiences. Right. Yeah. Um, and what they know that you might not know. So that's why it keeps it interesting. Good. You, you talked briefly about gear. Uh, just tell, are you shooting with the Micro Four Thirds Micro Four Third system, uh, DSLR? Just briefly tell us what kind of gear you're you're photographing with these days. Um, yeah, so I have a DSLR system. Um, I shoot Canon and pretty much all prime lenses. So, um, so yeah, I'm not much one for the zoom, and uh, I'm on the ground moving around changing my lenses all the time so hmm. yeah does that pose any problems with dust on the sensor and having issues with oh. things like that in these very remote places yeah it does oh my goodness i yeah it definitely does uh i tried you know unsuccessfully to change um oh, what are those what are those things called uh the grids, I tried to add a grid, uh, onto my, uh, camera in a dusty Canyon in Thailand. Once that was such a mistake, uh, never do, I never do that one again. Uh, also recently I was changing lenses when it was pouring rain. I saw a grizzly bear and I was out photographing on the coast of British Columbia. Um, and my camera stopped working, uh, which, you know, uh, I was on a boat at that point. So I didn't have my backup with me. I was so so annoyed uh eventually got back to land had my backup so that was fine but you know you miss that one shot and you just can't stop thinking about it and uh you know i'm not i'm not easy on my gear that's for sure <laughs> definitely not so i have one more question that i like to call a bit of a discovery question right? because it's uh, it's just meant to to prompt maybe some self-discovery if you like and the question okay. is what drives you crazy what drives me crazy? Hmm. In in relation to photography? Uh, in relation to anything, maybe photography or maybe nature conservation or any other topic that is dear to your heart. Something that really, yeah, when you see it like, okay, uh, forgetting to bring my backup on a trip. <laughs> no, not, not, not something like that. Something a bit more meaningful, maybe. Yeah. Um. I think 
what drives me crazy right now in the world of Instagram, I guess, is that I feel like captions are not, you know, as people don't have a value on captions like they, or not like they used to, I don't want to say that, but in that world, um, you know, there's some photographers that do a great job of telling their story through their words and the photo. And I think that's really, really important because some, when you just see a photo without any context, it's really hard to gauge like what's important. Why are we looking at it? Um, and the way that Instagram lays things out, I think it, you know, detracts from the caption and, you know, people are tempted often not to write anything of meaning. And I think that really annoys me, especially when you see a great photo and you're like, Oh, I just want to know more about this or why is this important or what am I looking at exactly? Um, and you know, that's a thing with self publishing, I guess, generally it's going to happen anywhere. Interesting because I know some people who would say that photos don't need much of an explanation. They should just speak for, for themselves. I, I mean, in some situations, sure, but I think I think that you know, if you add a little bit of context, you can you can really direct the viewer in in what you hope to have shown with the photo. For what is worth, I completely agree with you. I think yeah. uh, it's uh, having a good caption uh, helps tell the story, and uh, photograph by itself, uh, especially if it's a single photograph. Exactly. It's hard to, to relate to the context uh, or anything. There, there was an article I was reading some time ago about this, this very topic, and uh, it changed my mind about it. I was of the, the idea that photos didn't need a lot of captioning or explanation or background story, but I started to, to change my mind and align more with what you were saying. Only I'm, I'm lazy and I don't have much time, so my captions are not that great. So <laughs> if you look at my photos, they will probably drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to know more. And then that's why a discussion like this is good, right? And it probably helps you keep the attention for, for, for more. And uh, uh, Because, yeah, we are flooded with images, especially on Instagram. And without any, anything but the image itself... Uh, the viewers would just swipe by image after image without uh, uh, lingering for more than a few seconds, and that's uh, that can be can be a pity. Ah, exactly, especially when we when we travel across the world and spend hours editing, and exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, I think this has been a really nice conversation. Thanks for being a part of the show, Taylor. Uh, where can people find out more about you online? Um, so uh, I guess to segue from our Instagram conversation, you can find me on Instagram um, at Taylor Rhodes, um, or um, you can see my portfolio on my website, uh, which is a protest against forgetting.com. Uh, we'll certainly put uh, links in the show notes there. Anything else coming up that uh, you want to tell us about? Or do you have any uh, tours or speaking engagements, anything like that that you want to tell our listeners about? Uh, no, not right now. I have a bunch of stuff in the works, but uh, nothing, no concrete dates yet. Nothing ready to announce. Okay, mm-hmm, exactly. sounds good. What about you, Hugo? What do you have coming up? I've got coming up my Venice Carnival workshop. When this episode airs, it will be more or less a week away. So, I'm uh, just preparing my, checking my gear that everything is in order. 
so I don't forget anything at home and everything is working properly. Lots of gear there, of the luck to be traveling there by train, so can can carry as much luggage as I want. No, <laughs> no reason to leave anything at home. <laughs> and you, Ralph? Well, uh, I'm not sure exactly when this episode comes out, but uh, day after tomorrow, I'm heading to San Diego to speak at the Travel and Adventure Show there. Uh, following weekend, I'll be in Washington, D.C. Then the next week, I'll be at the New York Times Travel Show uh, back here in Chicago. And then... S- the Bay Area and Southern California for the travel shows. So this is kind of the season where I, I speak at a lot of the travel shows here in the U.S. And uh, and then I've got a couple Cuba trips coming up in uh, mid to late March. So I've got a few spots left on if people are interested in that. Uh, Morocco and Spain trips in the spring. And uh, a lot of other great trips, especially over to Asia uh, India, Vietnam, and uh, also Romania at towards the end of the year. So people can go to photoenrichment.com for more information about that. And you can look for me on all the social media platforms, at Ralph Velasco and at Photo Enrichment. How about you, Ugo? And as Where always, can people-, uh, people can find about me at my website, ucphoto.me. There will be links to all my various uh, social media channels and presences and so on. And as for this episode, uh, all the links in the show notes are at http uh, ttim.photo slash 112. So there you will find links to Taylor's website and Instagram feed and anything else that was mentioned today. So thanks again, Taylor, for your uh, time today. It was really a, a nice conversation we had here. We hope to be able to to repeat it maybe uh, some time from now. Uh, we have more stories to tell us. Sounds Thank you great. very much. Thank you. Goodbye. Take care. All right. Let's get out and shoot.